Welcome to the Art of Money podcast with Art McPherson. Here with Art McPherson, I'm Jennifer Perry. Always appreciate you joining us here on the Art of Money podcast, and especially during this holiday season. Tis the season of giving, and uh, I know a lot of people are shopping right now for gifts and thinking about ways to maybe give to their favorite charities this time of year. And that's the great thing about retirement art. Retirement allows us maybe more of the time and the resources, too, to give back. Our next guest here today on the Art of Money is a great example of this. Pro Football Hall of Famer Anthony Munoz spent 13 years with the Cincinnati Bengals. And then in retirement art, he is just as busy as ever giving back. And uh, I thought he was truly inspirational because, I mean, he practices what he preaches. He does. And he's changing people's lives. Right. You know, uh, that's to me one of the things. And, you know, he's giving the opportunity for kids who have no means, no resources, no funds to be able to go to a high level education, you know, and and get those college dreams fulfilled. And they didn't have a chance of winning a scholarship for sports. You know, they didn't have a a shot at that, but they really had a good aptitude. You know, they could they could score well academically, but they couldn't afford it financially. You know, and sometimes it's broken families that, you know, he's helping inner city kids a lot of times that he's helping. But he was just giving us some examples, you know, in the interview of, of the kids that his the lives that he's transformed. And I said, do you have one that's on the top of your head and and he did this off air he was talking to us and said yeah there's one gal that is getting her phd right now and becoming a doctor and she came you know from the middle of the slums she had no resources at all and because of our foundation we're able to put her into a small school called harvard (laughs) small school yeah (laughs) i said wow it just you know just how you're transforming the lives of kids you know and and giving them opportunity giving them hope and that those are the kind of things we like to be involved in right now this year has been a new one for us is the Harold and Carol Pump Foundation. Right, you know, they do a yeah. lot of research for cancer treatments mm-hmm. and things like that. We've been very involved with them this year, and that'll be one I'll be doing at the end of this year again. Um, we did something during the first part of the year, too, and we'll be doing more at the end of the year. So they're a big one, a new one for us this year, and a really good cause. Absolutely. And uh, again, we had a chance to catch up with Anthony about his favorite cause, and let's listen into that conversation here with Art. <laughs> Anthony, thank you for being on the show today. Thanks for having me. Appreciate you being here. Tell me a little bit. I saw that one of your passions is your foundation. Tell us a little bit about what the foundation does. I've read that you really do a lot for the Hispanic community. And kind of tell us a little bit about the foundation. I know that's a passion for you. We do a lot of charity events. We're here, you know, this week for a charity event. So just tell us a little bit about it. Well, yeah, we're going on 19 years. I waited uh, a few years after I retired to sure. start the foundation. Uh, totally understanding that when you're, you know, when you're playing, you have leverage, and you have relevant. But uh, right. you know, I thought about it. I'm thinking, you know, I'm a husband, a father, and then have to work and maintain my job to provide. I didn't have enough time to, to put into a foundation. I, I worked with a lot of sure. other non-for-profit groups. Uh, so it was about seven, eight years after I retired. I always wanted to put a foundation to, together because you know, really a lot of it has to do the way I, I was raised. Uh, you know, Growing up here in Southern California, my mom raised five kids by herself, working two, three jobs. We didn't have any. I mean, we never had a car, didn't have sure. a whole lot. So it was 
coaches, teachers, organizations that allowed me to do things uh, to really chase my dream. And I wanted to, to do that for young men and women. So basically, uh, we, we started a foundation. Our mission statement is to engage the tri-state area, which is you know the Cincinnati area, to impact young people mentally, physically, and spiritually. So we have seven programs that we run, very limited staff. We have three full-time staff, but we have a great internship program. Sure. Per year, we usually have four to eight, sometimes ten college interns that will come in and work because of our lean staff. Uh, have a great board. I think 15 board members, very engaged. And then, of course, we utilize uh, volunteers. Sure. But we do everything from uh, elementary kids. We have a mentoring program. Okay. Uh, then we have uh, a junior high program we call Unplug because they age out of our mentoring program. Sure. So that we continue to, you know, uh, really mentor junior high kids and not just drop them once they get in and really kind of show them what it corporate life is all about. We take them on college visits. Uh, a lot of these kids might think, okay, let's get through high school, then we'll start working. We got to provide you know, sure. money for the family. But now they can see that they can go to college, you know, continue their education and, the, you know, their earning power increases if they go to college. So we have that called Unplug. Then we do what we call the, they're called overnight character camp. So we do two of them, one in the fall, one in the, in the spring. We take about 150 young men, middle school, and we take them off to camp. Uh, 150. We teach them a little football, uh-huh. but the other is team building and character. So we just pour into them. Sure. Uh, we do one uh, that's pretty diverse, and then the one in the fall is 100% with Hispanic kids. And same thing. And then we have what we call our youth leadership seminar. Uh, usually do that in October. We'll have close to 100 high schools, 13 to 1400 students, and we have a full day of leadership motivational speakers. We have breakout sessions. Uh, and then at the end of the day, we challenge them, we give them a charge, and they put together community service uh, uh, projects. And we have our community service challenge. And some of the projects uh, are sustainable over the years, and it's amazing what these young men and women will initiate and put together. And then we have two types of scholarships. One of them we call our straight-A luncheon. We have 18 uh, student-athletes. Uh, okay. It's straight-A because it's academics, athletics, achievement, attitude, but a big criteria is overcoming adversity. I mean, a lot of these kids are excelling in every aspect of their life. Might be homeless at times. Sure. Mom might be a drug addict. Dad's od or in prison. So with all that that they're going through, they still excel in the class, on the field, in the community with communities. So that's one scholarship. That's a two to five thousand dollars scholarship in the spring. Then I have my dinner and golf in, in June, and depending on our budget, we'll give anywhere from four to eight twenty thousand dollars scholarships for seniors going to college and. All the programs I've talked about, uh, they don't pay a penny to go through them. We raise the funds, and we have each program funded with the partner. So that's uh, that's what we do, and I love doing it. Like I said, we're uh, we're this is our 19th year. We've raised, I think, probably 14 million dollars. Wow! Uh, you know, through relationships, and you know, we'll have sure. a dinner for our where we give our scholarships. It'll be 450 to 500 people, and we've had that comped every year for that's 18 wonderful. years. Uh, I'll bring in guys for the golf tournament, and my stipulation is you have to be a Hall of Famer to be flown in. <laughs> and uh, so I, I never pay a penny to bring them in. I have a company that brings them in, puts sure. them up. So eliminate all those costs, and that gives us more money to put towards our programs and towards the kids. Well, let's talk a little bit about football. You're you know, such a you know your history is pretty phenomenal. What did you do that was different than the other guys that were linemen? I mean, they always said that you were very agile. They always said that you're you were very intense. But you're known as one of the best offensive linemen in the in the history well, of football. I mean, that's a pretty well, big statement. Well, with all, uh, I still hear it and it still blows me away. You know, coming like <laughs> I said, coming from my background where I came from, I just think you know God gave me first of all the gift. 
but I really believe, and I'm, I go nuts, not nuts, but I, I do not like specialization for young people. Because okay. I look at my situation. I played football, basketball, and baseball growing up. And for what I had to do as an offensive lineman, I was a third baseman in high school. And I was 6'6", 275, playing third base. So you had so to So you're sit, a pretty you small had, guy. Yeah, pretty small guy <laughs> playing that hot corner. Now, I couldn't run very fast. If I hit a ball, I'd have to hit it twice as far to get around the bases. But put me in that little area at third base, and nobody could bunt on me. I could cover, you know, you left and in. right. And it, that's what you have to do as a you know, pass block. I played basketball at 275. I was guarding guys that were 170, 190. So you had to move your feet. You had to sit down. Uh, so I really believe that that helped me with what I had to do once I got into college and the NFL is the way I trained my body in those other sports, you know, was a big advantage for me. Uh, and then it was just all about technique. The coaches I had, if you ask guys that played college and pros, you ask them how many line coaches did you have, they'll probably give you half a dozen at least. I had one line coach in college and one in my 13 years in the NFL. So I had a chance so to was really... very unusual. Oh, very unusual. And... Both coaches were very, very technical. I mean, it wasn't just just block this guy. It was working on your steps all the time. We'd be working on our stance week 13 of my 10th year because they felt if you got sloppy with your stance, you're going to get sloppy with your technique. So I was a big, big technique guy. I mean, I... You know, worked on that, and I really believe that's what helped out. And you know, playing the level at the level that I did is that really focus on the technical part of the game. And just I tell people the 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 more over prepared you are, the more you can play with intensity. Because if you're hesitant or not sure of what you have to do, you're not going to be as physical. So that's the way I was trained from high school and especially at USC and in the pros. So it was all about preparation, not only during the season, but my whole mindset was I was in better shape and stronger than the guys I was playing against because of all the conditioning I did and all the weight. So once so I, I got, I read that you were like doing a lot of running and things like um, that. Is that linemen don't normally do that? Do no, they? I was a, you know from like January until maybe April. I was a six mile guy every day. Wow! And then once I got closer to mini camp in the season, I started my interval training. But in addition to the interval, I did distance at this, and then during the season, usually two days, maybe sometimes three days a week, I would do some distance running. And I was still working, keeping the bulk, but I, my cardio was pretty good. So you, I believed. Do you attribute that to being such a high level? I believe that if we were going in the fourth quarter and we had to drive 80 yards, that there's no way that your conditioning was going to be better than mine. So therefore, I was going to out physical and dominate you. Was that true? I don't know, but I, I believed it was. So I really believed that that. I'd say 11 me, straight you know. pro bowls would say <laughs> yeah, that was so, true. So that was the approach I took, and that's what I did. You yeah. Know, so. Well, you. That's one. One other thing I wanted to mention was your statement of dominating your opponent. Mm. You know, you had mentioned that, and you know, in our world, we're doing financial services, financial planning. So we don't have to dominate like that, but we want to dominate, I guess, our industry in a sense, you know, and take advantage of all the new products that are out and things along those lines. But tell me what, like, why was that your mentality and why was dominating your opponent so important to you in the game? Well, it's interesting. So we lived in a house my entire NFL career. Then we moved. The year I retired, we moved, got some property. So you accumulate all this stuff. And one of the things I found in all these boxes of things that you save, I found, so this is four years of college and this is like 17, 18 years later. I found my freshman playbook from USC. Okay. So I'm thinking, man, this so is So you're just cool. walking into the program. So I'm just 17 years all, old. Yeah. I'm going to college, and here's my first playbook, and now I'm 35, and I've played all these. I open it up, and it was the way I was trained. The first 
It's one blank sheet, and all it said in block letters was dominate. <laughs> you open up to the next, and it said, "We." and this was our philosophy at SC, we will dominate you the first play, so by the end of the game, you will give up. Wow. So that's the way I was trained. And to me, being able to be physically fit to do that, Yes. so each play goes from the snap to the whistle. You don't just... Right. Stop. So that was, you know, we had shirts in the pros that said finish. And that was our whole mentality is that we're going to physically dominate you. And for me, uh, my faith plays a big part in it. Sure. And, and it says, you know, whatever you do, do it with all your heart. Yep. Not do it half-heartedly. Right. Not, you know, not uh, be a dad, be a husband half-heartedly. Be right. A, everything. So I'm going to be a father with all my heart. I'm going to be a husband with all my heart. And when I play the game, the game is made to be played physical. So God has given me the gift, so that's the way I'm going to play. So a lot of things come into play, and quite frankly, after having three knee operations and four years of college, which a lot of people don't know and playing yeah, one full season, yeah. now all of a sudden I get a chance to get drafted after playing one game my senior year. So you have your team goals. Right. You want to get in the playoffs, you want to go super. But then all of a sudden you've got to put together some individual goals. My individual goal was I want to play a minimum of 10 years. But I just don't want to play 10 years. I want to start every year. I want to make the Pro Bowl every year. So that was one cons- of your goals. So that was all my personal goals. I yep. want to be considered one of the best. Will I ever? I don't know, but I'm going to work towards that. So that's that was my whole approach, and I do that as a husband. I mean, you know, for 41 years, hopefully my wife, Didi, you know, can say he's been a great husband because that's what I've wanted to do for 41 years. Well, I'd say 41 years yeah. sounds pretty, well, pretty she's much She's tolerated like- me for 41 years, <laughs> so I'm thankful. Yeah, I but, mean, our wives, yeah, yeah, and as I a dad, I mean, say that. even when I was playing, I wanted not to just spend time with my kids. I wanted to be engaged with them. I wanted to go into their world and do, and, you know, hopefully I've done that. So as a friend and, and as a business guy. So that's kind of the approach I take in, uh, in everything I do. And, I, and one of the, the messages I share to young people when I'm talking – don't ever get to a point where you believe you know everything and do not ever become uncoachable because that's when the slippery slope starts and it doesn't matter how old you are. Well, Anthony, you know? thank you so much for being on the show today. Well, thanks for Give having me. Give us a little me. bit of insights yeah. of being a Hall of Famer yeah. and 11-time Pro Bowl. I appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Always stay coachable. And uh, Anthony, man, what a great lesson for how we approach our lives, Art. Uh, Some great stuff in there. He's not just changing lives, but he's open to change himself. And I think it's a good reminder for all of us, especially as we head toward year end here. It's a great time to be coachable and to actually get started on a plan that allows you to live the kind of life you want in retirement, much like Anthony's doing. And there's no doubt why he's successful. Right. Yes. I mean, isn't he inspirational? Yeah, he's fantastic. Just love listening to that guy. He just... He is just one of those guys I can just talk to for hours. Well, if you like today's conversation, we'd love for you to share this podcast with your friends and family this holiday season. Just refer them to the Art of Money podcast on their favorite podcast provider. Thanks for listening. Want more from Art McPherson of McPherson Financial Group? Find us online at artofmoneyradio.com. We are an independent financial services firm helping individuals create retirement strategies using a variety of financial and insurance products to custom suit their needs and objectives. Securities offered through World Equity Group, Inc., member FINRA and SIPC, a registered investment advisor. Investment advisory services offered through ProStatus Group, LLC. McPherson Financial Group and ProStatus Group, LLC are separate entities and are not owned or controlled by World Equity Group, Inc. Exposure to ideas and financial vehicles discussed should not be considered investment advice or recommendation to buy or sell any financial vehicle. Past performance is not 
a guarantee of future results. Investments can fluctuate and when redeemed may be worth more or less than when originally invested. Investment financial professionals are not licensed in all 50 states. Art McPherson is not affiliated with nor endorsed by the Social Security Administration or any other government agency and does not provide legal or tax advice. Please consult with your attorney, accountant, and or tax advisor for advice concerning your particular circumstances. Annuity guarantees rely solely on the financial strength and claims paying ability of the issuing insurance company. By contacting us, you may be provided with information about insurance and annuity products offered through Arthur McPherson. Florida Insurance License Number A174725. Today's show has been a work of art. 